This is officially going to wrap up the John Ramirez Roundtable Podcast, episode three of three. I want to get something across in this last episode that I intentionally didn't say in the first two. We, as American Christians, have to normalize deliverance ministry. I know. I know. I know it's weird. It's strange. It's esoteric. It's third rail. It's, oh no, we don't do that. We're, we're nice people. We don't have demons. Yes, many Christians are demonized. Go look at Derek Prince videos. He talks about it at scale and all the things that he experienced. So what is it with us? Why is it that we can't get past any idea of the fact that, yes, you can love Christ, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be a good, nice, Christian, moral person. You could actually have some sort of demonic influence in your life. Listen, that voice that goes on in your head, it's not always yours. It's a fiery dart. What do we do with it? Sometimes it has to be cast out and delivered out. So this is going to be good. It's going to wrap up a few things. Christian manhood, deliverance ministry, a few final thoughts from John and Pastor Thornton. But I impress upon you, I implore you, please consider this a normal part of our Christian faith. Jesus himself said, you'll know my followers. They will speak in other tongues, cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. This isn't third rail. This is something we should be pressing into and something that, you know, we could even joke around about because sometimes if you see it in person, it is crazy. It's wacky, but it's biblical. You ready? Welcome to the fourth watch. As the world is falling apart, the church should be coming together, but we have to wake up first. Biblical prophecy is unfolding and we keep looking for a new normal. The enemy is parading in broad daylight. We keep changing the channel. The media keeps saying look left when the real activity is happening to the right. 2020 caught everyone off guard, which leads to one very important viewpoint. Every demonic influence running rampant in America right now had to go to the church to get here. It's time we changed our focus and our footing. No more excuses, no more racial divide, no more ignorance, and no more country club church. The enemy feels like he's on a winning streak, but we're here to remind him and you of our biblical and American heritage. We serve the Lord of Angel Armies, and we thrive when our backs are against the wall. The goal of the Fourth Watch is clear, to equip you with a biblical foundation as it relates to spiritual warfare. You don't need to be a pastor or a teacher to recognize what's happening, and the Bible is filled with references to the last days. History isn't repeating, it's setting the stage. One of our generations has to be the last, and no one is coming to save us but God. So how do we see things as he intended? How do we see the enemy at work in our daily lives? How do we respond to demonic attacks against ourselves and our family? How do we identify the deceivers masquerading as politicians, celebrities, influencers, and even pastors? And more importantly, how do we bring revival when most Christians are focused on culture over kingdom? The fourth watch is from 3 to 6 a.m. daily, the darkest hours before the dawn. It's when Abraham raised his dagger, when Jacob wrestled with God, when Peter stepped onto the water, and when Jesus arose the third day. Now, the fourth watch is our effort to show you how spiritual warfare isn't just real, it's raging. And whether you choose to see it or not, every single one of us has a role to play. Journey with us as we search the word, discuss current events, put our faith into action, and use ourselves as an example along the way. Welcome to Spiritual Warfare for the Masses. Welcome to the fourth watch. There's a line, Jeff Buckley, the song Hallelujah. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. The song notwithstanding, right? Not trying to correlate it somehow, but just that line. If you can still utter that word in your darkest, in your heaviest, where you are burdened, afflicted, and you're finding a joy in the crushing. Not necessarily a meaning. You don't know what the meaning is yet. You don't know what the outcome is yet. But you know that the process is absolutely going to refine you closer to the version that God has in store for you to be. I mean, that's something that men don't know how to, you know, suffer, suffer well. Well, they did at one time. I gave to your son the other day Rudyard Kipling's 
poem, If. And I said, you read this, and I, I want you to read it daily for a while. And it says, if you can walk with kings, but not lose the common touch, if you can pitch all your earnings in one game of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginning and never breathe a word about your loss. Now, this, this was a secular poem, but it was telling exactly what you're saying now. And he talked, as Paul said, about every second of distance run. Then the world is yours and much more. You'll be a man, my son. And that's what we have not taught in the church. And my father, who was a strong Christian, and his father before him was for a nominal Christian, but a very honorable man. And that generational thing, the piece I have that is the If Poem was printed in the 1800s. It now is with my grandson, who is a surfer all over the country. But I think it, if you ever want to explain just practicality, even to a non-Christian, what is an honorable person? That was a common thing we had at one time, and we've lost it because we've lost the Judeo-Christian ethic. That was code. A man had a code, had an ethic. And the only thing that I guess makes sense to me now is if you're looking at a world with either a non-existing or a marginal or a, a fluttering value system, hit reset yeah. and align yourself with the biblical value system. Love what God loves, hate what God hates. Build from there. And don't believe the truth is your truth and I have my truth. Subjective. Because that's the yeah. biggest lie of Satan. Yep. And I would love to have both pastors, because we have an audience here, that this may be some shocking conversation for them. And I'd love them both to pray for that audience today so they could take that second step and look deeper into what we're talking about. We're talking about calls to action. We're talking about a call to action. So I, I ask both of these pastors to pray for the audience today, as well as ourselves. <laughs> Would you agree? Just a round table. Do Christian men need a shaking? Absolutely. Turn them upside down. Jason's just staring at me with, with a handsome you know, thumb on the chin. By the way, he's wearing a pink polo. Yeah. No, but it's a manly pink polo. It's, it's, he wears it well. I think the, uh, the, world, the world's reward system is turned upside down. There's all types of distraction going on. You know, I can't tell you how many people have told me, talked about this uh, Robin Hood account that they want to open. And the distraction is, is real. And the reward system is, you know, what's in our bank accounts and what things we have. And, you know, I, I think um, to your point of trying to figure out what man can do is that the reward system is bringing up young men and women in the world of God and, and watching them prosper and not focusing on the, the worldly things that you can't bring with you to the next world. Amen. Amen. John? Amen. I, I think you need, as a believer or non-believer, I mean, whatever your struggles are, you need to stop justifying them and stop making excuses and say, you know, I can make excuses today. I could say my dad was, my mother, my dad used to beat my mom. My dad died at 33, got shot in the face for a woman that wasn't even his. You know, I, I can make all kinds of excuses. I grew up in a bad neighborhood. I grew up in this photo patch in the Bronx. I, I can justify. I can play the game. I can tell you the story. But do you know why? Do I want to grow? Because I'm not defined by my DNA anymore. I'm defined by what God wants to do in my life. Amen. He's writing my story. And I need to make a decision whether I'm going to go with God or I'm just going to go with a whole bunch of excuses and just let the devil get his ways with me. And then in my story, you know, when I get to heaven, God's going to show me he had plan A, but I lived on plan B. What you said yesterday was powerful. God's writing your story, but the devil wants the pen. 
the devil wants the pen. And many people today in church are sitting there, but they, you know, you don't own the pen. And you're letting, you're letting the, the, charismatic, the charismatic movement in the church, and I'm not talking about charismatic church, I'm not the charismatic, the easygoing, the, the, the sweet and bottom by, the comfort, the, how do you call that, the secret friendly. You're not being challenged anymore. You got to fight for that pen. You got to fight for that pen, get that pen back and put it in the right hands and watch God write a masterpiece. Whether, whatever you're going through, God can either take the paintbrush and do a masterpiece or God can take the story of your life and write a bestseller. Charlie, you're going to appreciate this. David Goggins, this is Boat Crew 2. Fight for, his fight for your pen is David Goggins' Boat Crew 2. It's, if, you, if you know what it is, we'll have to circle back to that. Graham Hetrick, godly men, how do we bring him back? First, we have to realize that none of this is working. To abandon God, to become a secular nation, everything I see on the table tells me nothing is working. Not our health not our souls, not our society, not our system. Nothing is working. The only thing we can do is turn to Christ because he said, I am the way, the truth, the light. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father but by me. It's not many roads to a mountain. It's not sitting for hours and hoping that you can have no thought and become nothing with nothingness, you know? <laughs> so, and I've done that, Red. I, I was through India. I did the whole thing. I think know? we've all spent some yeah. time in so, that, you know. <laughs> so that's the secret. Nothing's relative here. There is only one answer, and we're going to be offensive to people because they're going to say, your answer is better than my answer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. At the sake of being redundant, the Bible says, shake yourself from the dust. Growing up as a young man, my training as a, as a young man was is if we got into a fight, right? Well, my dad would say, okay, go get the boxing gloves, and you guys beat each other till one of you emerges the winner. We've lost that. And that's necessary in the church because we're in a fight. And if we don't shake ourselves from the dust and learn how to fight and we keep passing it off to the next generation and to the next generation, then we've absconded. So how do we do this? We start fighting. We start training. We start coming together. That's acknowledging we have an enemy. That, that needs to be fought back. Absolutely. Acknowledging you have an enemy, but also learn to fight. I mean, a fourth degree black belt, right? Well, you didn't get there without getting into some tangos and some, some sparring matches, and you didn't get there without learning your forms and working at it and sparring. Well, I and, only bought the belts. Oh, you bought them? <laughs> no, no. That's yeah, that's twenty twenty one black belts. I've got a whole... I went to Kohl's and ordered all the black belts I could wear. No, it's time to get back to the mindset. And, and again, if you want to ask me, it's probably why... We have at Legacy Faith Church some men because I don't water down. I don't play the game. And it's not about me and about what I say, but, but the men are attracted to men. Men want to be men. They don't want to be. You know, and when I say attracted, don't even go there. <laughs> Jesus. That, that's a different podcast. That's okay. a different podcast. But, 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 but. but the men begin to be awakened and they begin to apply 
their faith and their belief system to say, okay, I can, I can walk with these guys. Because I, I, I know when, when I was 13 years old, I remember, I was stoned, been smoked a couple of bone hits before I went to a Methodist youth group. And I, we went to the service that night, and I'm stoned. I'm, I'm high. And God speaks to me. Now, I'm not born again yet, but God says, Philip, I've called you to preach. And I looked at the pastor, and I said, God, why would I want to do that? Because he was an effeminate kind of man that spoke a lifestyle message and didn't have anything. And I'm thinking, why would I want to be that when I can be me? I, you know, because I mean, I was I was a brawler. I mean, I'm you know, even at 13, 14 years old, we fought, we climbed, we did everything we could. It's so, a laying of hands, just a consistent laying of hands. Absolutely. And so, anyhow, uh, we believed in the fivefold ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, it's it reminds me of Gideon, uh, Zeba, and Zamuna. Rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. Yeah. And Gideon, that dude didn't mess around. Yeah. But Gideon was awake. his purpose, the very thing that the enemy was after, was awakened by an inheritance, a heritage when the angel of the Lord spoke to him. Arise, mighty man of valor. And his first question was, who me? Who are you talking to me? We're, we're the smallest. We're the smallest of the tribes. What are, you, what are you talking about? But then Gideon got into the word and said, okay, wait a minute. So you're calling me. You said, arise, mighty man of valor, go and possess. And, and, uh, and so Gideon says, okay, well, wait a minute. If you're telling me to do this, where are you? Where is God? Where is the God of the old covenant? Where is the God who splits the Red Sea? Where is the God who will cause thunder and lightning to, I mean, you know, where, where are you? And the angel of the Lord, which is the Lord, speaks to him and says, go in what you know. When he said, go in this your might, you already know who I am. Now begin to act like you know who I am, and you'll begin to see me work with you and through you. Oh, okay. Amen. This also comes down to, if you read this word, you're going to find out the parts that are written specifically about you. Yep. But if you don't read this word, you don't know what kind of promises await you. You don't know what God's trying to actually cultivate within you that's supposed to impact others. And God used Gideon's insecurity, the doubt, so what started as, you know, a, a process, a word, then became a process, uh, then became an applied method, then became, uh, well, put the dew on the ground outside of uh, the pelt. Those actions, they matter and they mean something. It, I stumbled on Psalm 78, and the Lord awoke from sleep like a mighty man who shouts from wine, and he beat back his enemies to a perpetual reproach. I'm like, I've had wine. I've, I've shouted from wine. I, I kind of know, oh, so he's like me. Yes. There's such an opportunity that I feel so many men are missing. They're being entertained, sports. I mean, thank God sports actually kind of took a hiccup, and now it's going sideways with all this wokeness, right? Maybe this is a great opportunity for men that have a Bible in their home to pick it up and say, okay, where is it written about me? Maybe that's the first call to arms. Maybe. Charlie Courtney. Okay, by the way, a full, full disclosure. Charlie, he's a girl dad. So... He's, he's, he's got perspective even to who he wants his daughters to kind of gravitate towards. Well, my male dog squats when he pees. I, will say <laughs> but, uh, now I, I think the only thing that I would add to that is that 
I don't. I, I think this this starts on a grassroots level. Amen. Having a uh, YouTube channel on how to be a manly, godly man isn't going to work right now, right? And it'll probably get canceled, and there'll be eight million negative comments. But I think it's things like this, right? It's men being around other men. I think it's churches like Legacy Faith that are equipping men with godly values and how to stand up, not just for yourself, but for your family, and equip them. There is no mass scale solution. It is going to be yeah. man by man, home by home, you know, bringing people in just, yeah. just like we've done. Gird and yourself. I mean, the word just cuts at how many things we're supposed to do on our own volition. Yep. No, it's, that's the way this gets done. No question that'll take time, but God works in, uh, in mysterious ways. And, and I know, you know the fact that, that we're all here talking about this at this point. This is all an equipping. And, you know, we just step by step, person by person, not just here, but wherever else. We're not the only ones doing this. No. We know that. Okay. It's time. Audience, questions. Kyle, you got questions back there? Brave soul from the back steps forward. Um, Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, <laughs> that, right, right. I can't believe you guys picked up. I can't believe I made it through. Maybe did that. <laughs> <laughs> this is just such an honor. Um, no, in all seriousness. You, you don't win any tickets. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's not a thing. Um, I guess uh, for me, it's almost like the whole world needs an exorcism, right? Because you look at everything. Um, you look at all the... All the leaders out there, people are starving for leadership. People are starving for this type of thing. And this is why I gravitated to what the fourth watch is because of William and just meeting everybody and just things that didn't make sense to me are now all of a sudden starting to make sense. Now that I know and I've looked at things through the traditional lens, I went to Catholic school. I was raised a Catholic. But now I'm looking at everything. I'm like, no, none of that stuff is real. All that stuff has been hijacked. Everything. Really. I mean, we talk about saving the church. But is it even worth saving? Um, I guess my question, or the way I'm looking at it is, you see all these politicians. Are they all demonically possessed? Or all, are they all just that bad? Or, I mean, you look at school administrators. Are they all just that crazy? Um, is, is, there, is there really, how, do you, how can you really make a serious impact when you look at, what I would say is, you know, 75% of things are just like, are they even, can they even be helped? Um, it, it almost looks like a Romans 1 situation where God gave them over to a debased mind. Right. Where there's no, there's no rationale, there's no reason. You think that logic at some point would step in and play a role and say, wow, this is actually going to really work against us, right. given enough time. Right. And, and just from my simple mind of saying, okay, now understanding that, that there's so much more of a demonic presence that's involved in everyday life and affecting everybody and afflicting everybody, whether you're an addict or you have this porn problem or you've got uh, an ego problem or whatever it is, right? Are people really demonically possessed? And is, is it something we can go in there and we, you know, it's just kind of like what, what I saw yesterday with bringing people in and people want to be saved. They finally realize it. You know, my son was there and he he was just like, you know, it was a crazy experience for him. You know, he, all of a sudden he was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is not something I ever understood ever was happening. I tried to he warn really him. He thought demons could come and he's like, oh, we're really messing with fire here. He's I tried, like, what I, happens? I tried like, my if, best. If a I'm demon like, gets out, <laughs> you know, and he, like, he was asking me this on the way home. Yeah. So his thought was once it gets out, it's like Ghostbusters, right? There's no containment unit to right. suck it. Yeah. Where does it go? Right. <laughs> and, and it's more like, okay, how does a guy like me use the real tools? Like I'm listening, I'm learning. 
from every what everyone said, and I'm I'm really absorbing it now, and I'm starting to understand what the tools are in the book. But I guess like you know, since I can't do a world exorcism, um, like how how do I teach those around me every day just how to look at things even better? Um, how do I become more of a leader in that regard? In the sense that I'm I'm taking what I l- I've learned from the Bible and in Scripture. And how do you know what's what's the fundamental way I can tell people how they can have that better relationship with Christ, rather than, you know, here's your Bible, good luck. So the world needs an exorcism. No, the world needs faith. The God of this world system has blinded the minds of people through unbelief. That's his job. Our job is to awaken the hearts and spirit of man through the spirit of faith. Right, The entrance of God's word gives light. And so what's happening, same thing that's happened to Kyle, that's happening to others that are listening, that's happening, is, is the more you hear and understand, the more light comes exposing the, the darkness of unbelief that was there. Because one of the things that I have taught our people specifically is, is, you know, when you read a story in the Bible of Peter walking on the water, well, that's not a good flannel graph story for Sunday school. That really happened. When you hear about Jesus going in a man possessed with a legion of devils stumbling around in the tombs of Gadara, right? And he cast the devils out and 2,000 pigs run down the hill. Well, that's not just a story to illustrate some passive spiritual truth that really happened when you hear about elijah right calling down fire on mount carmel up against 450 prophets of baal and destroying them and killing them that really happened so as a man right now all of a sudden these aren't just stories this isn't just history This is the power of God that's awakened in the heart of a man to be able to accomplish what God has destined him to do. Um, God didn't come to change you as a man. He came to redeem you as a man. He came to awaken your eternal purpose and destiny. And so as we move into this and, and we see the task that's ahead of us that seems impossible, it seems, it seems as if the whole world needs an exorcism. Well, it does. But the fact of the matter is, is, is when the odds are against you, we have to recognize and understand always there's more that are with us than there are against us. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that every, every, right, um, Smokey the Bear showed up in the forest because somebody flicked one cigarette butt out the car window. We all heard the commercials growing up, at least I did, right? In other words, that little small spark is what all of a sudden became a great forest fire. And so don't underestimate what's happening right here, right now. Don't underestimate what's going on because the awakening of one individual becomes two, becomes three. Your experience that's now not just an experience, but that's founded in the, and rooted in the Word of God, now all of a sudden becomes such an anchor, such, a, such an inspiration, that when you speak into another man's life, your words are not just, oh, that's a good thought. 
but your words become life. And Jesus said, my words are spirit in their life. And so when that becomes part of who we are and we're able to speak into other men, now our words are containers of, of phenomenal power. Um, I, I just ministered a message a couple of week, weekends ago. It might have been last weekend. You are powerful beyond belief. You have more power than you know you. You yourself are powerful beyond belief. Now it's time for you to believe. So I do love your posture because your posture is what can we do? Whereas people in faith, they call themselves Christians, which again, God only knows where the meter falls. But they're saying Jesus is coming soon. They say the world is falling apart. Jesus is coming soon. It's, it's like they're, they're absconding their opportunity, their strength, the power, the, you know, the, the ability of Christ to work through it and the Holy Spirit to work through us. And they're just saying, oh, well, we're going to check out soon. It amazed me. So at the very least, I definitely appreciate where you're at because what you're saying is, show me the direction I can go. I'm going to apply myself and have skin in the game. And so first, that's probably the best posture that you can start with, followed by everything the pastor said. This word has to be your first love. It has to be your first priority. It has to be, you have to hunger for it. It has to be a thirst for it. And when, it, when God sees that posture, he doesn't leave you waiting. It doesn't return void to you. It's not effort that ever somehow doesn't get, you know, strengthened. Matthew 5, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And the problem with the church and at large growing up, you grew up eating spiritual candy bars. It ruined your appetite for God. You were, you were satisfied snacking and developed a sweet tooth for the things that were nice and kind and good, and, and yet it left you unsatisfied. And as you become an adult, a spiritual adult with spiritual responsibilities, now you go, okay, wait a minute, I need some strength in this game, and I don't feel like I have the strength necessary, so I'm going to have to change my diet. Meat versus milk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, not, not tofu, not, not this... <laughs> engineered 3d printed chicken that's an that's an abomination oh, that's straight out of the gates of hell there, there's no way that that that's actually a, a thing Can we go back to the question two which i really need the answer to as well are these politicians demonic brother oh, we need to answer that are the politicians uh, demonic? yes are these politicians demonic they're pushing agendas that are they are influenced just, by yeah or the influence by the agents of the attack. devil. Let's yeah. say demonized. Agents of the devil to the highest degree ever. That's who they are. I don't care right wing, left wing, the same chicken. <laughs> there goes our Google algorithm. <laughs> you might have one or two they got, they, they, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. They got one or two that might love God. They got one or two. I mean, I like Brent Carson. You know, I think he's a, he's a man of God. I can, you know, I'm only... But the demonic system in, 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 in the politic world in Washington, D.C. is to promote the devil's agenda. We went on a prayer walk December, and I took a pastor buddy of mine from California. And he hadn't seen D.C. except for a, an elementary or junior high school trip back when he was like 14. And we're done. He's like, um, thanks for turning my vacation into a mission trip. That's great. Thanks. And then he said, I, I'm blown away at how many demonic structures architecturally speaking, are all over that town. Just where it's just building after building after building. It's edifice after edifice after edifice. And so I mean, you have an entire environment that is geared. It's designed and orchestrated towards a certain bent, you know, demonic. It would be surprising to find more godly people there. And that's one of the videos that we still haven't posted yet. 
It's December 22nd. I went from somewhere on, on the main road to Lincoln's Memorial, and that town was the busiest I'd ever heard. And I'd been going there for four months, walking and praying at that time. And it was eye-opening because the town was getting back to normal. It's almost as if the town under Trump was under a slumber. But once Biden was relatively assured the victory, I mean, January 6th hadn't happened yet, that town was thriving at 5 a.m. I mean, bustling. It was December, It was two days, three days before Christmas. And that town was getting right back to business. That told me everything. I'm like, this, this town is not his. It is, but it's not. These hearts are not his. So here's a question, Jason. When are you going to sign up to uh to run for something we're ready for question two from the callers <laughs> <laughs> can we take uh many on the list let's cold let's mic cold two. mic this mic is cold it's going cold now any other questions anyone thoughts comments jokes yep oh here we go hot mic um First of all, thank you for this because it's been a blessing and we need more of this, uh, not just in this setting, but even in the house of God where you could just sit and hear mentors and men of God speak about these type of things. So thank you. Um, I do want to uh, ask Pastor Thornton just to touch on something because this is one of the things that attracted me going to Legacy Faith Church. And that is, you mentioned about the manzy pansies and the men of God and and you can tell the, the man's man that you know we love God and we're willing to wear a pink shirt and still be a godly man and uh you guys are servants there like yeah God-fearing servant alphas Amen. I mean that's yeah this is good one of the things that attracted me was his story about what God told him to do not do ministry not do the big ministry but build big people not do religion and so I just wanted him to just touch on that for a second to, to inspire other men out there of Amen. what it's about. It's, it's not about you hit it on point. It's a matter of finding men that are willing to serve. They want ministry. They want to do ministry, but they don't want to show up on church on time. They don't want to go and throw the trash out. They don't want to stay the extra hours. Everybody wants revival, but nobody wants to stay seven days a week because it's cutting into their lunchtime or their TV time. So pastor hit it. Everyone wants to change the world, but they don't want to change themselves. Well, I shouldn't say most, but many of you men know the story of Doolittle in World War II, Midway. And the quote, the thing that he said in the recruit of the men that were going on a death mission, not knowing whether or not they would return. He said, there's nothing more powerful than the heart of a volunteer. Somebody who's willing to lay it all down, not knowing the outcome, whether I return or not, I'm laying it down because I understand that this can change destiny. And so when we started Legacy, God spoke to me. This has been 20 years ago when we started. He said, Philip, don't get caught up in the trappings. He spoke to me. He said, don't build big ministry. Build big people. And so one of the things that we have consistently both modeled and preached, and, and Nick, Nick, you've been with us for how long? Seven or eight years now. And, um, and so that they'll tell you that I don't ask people to serve me. I'm there serving in the midst. 
and what I mean by that is is that 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 we realize and I realize the most valuable thing that can happen in the body of Christ is men begin to rise up and do godly things because they want to not because they have to there's not a compulsion and uh and this message needs to be made clear throughout the body of Christ there is absolutely nothing in the word of God that is compulsory except repentance and through through repentance we can then begin to serve out of a willingness that transforms our not only our desire but the atmosphere and and you know because my mission, your mission, our mission is to do what? John chapter 4. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's our mission. And so whether that costs us, and that's what Jesus said, if you'll not pick up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. And we don't we don't know except that we're here to to see this thing through. And so if, if you go back to the story of Doolittle, those men got in a plane with bombs on board, knowing that if they had enough fuel to make it to shore, they were lucky. But we've got a mission. We have got to turn the tide. Well, people, this is Midway. It was only 26 fighter planes that left the runway of that aircraft carrier. 26, that was instrumental in beginning to turn the absolute, and of course one of them was carrying the Moab. So it's time for us to not be afraid and carry some spiritual Moabs, mother of all bombs, and begin to do the damage that's necessary in this hour. Because they had to clear Japan and make it to the Chinese shore in order to survive. Because if they went down anywhere in between, they weren't going to make it. There's something powerful about Cortez having the men burn the fleet. Yep. There's no going back. Uh, you know, we'll be heroes or ghosts, but it's not for our glory. It's for God's, for Christ. And to somehow seize hold of that, I'm looking around. There's a room full of amazing women, faith-filled women that have been the support for, you know, everyone, you know, to some degree in this room. And, you know, to the women in the room, you know, it's like we're trying right it's our hope that we stir more men it's our hope that we get more people to legacy faith it's our hope that we get more people to look at john and normalize the conversation of spiritual warfare and normalize the reality of people being demonized and to the best of our ability we're doing this because if we don't now it's never going to happen if, if not us who you know if not now when this is something that you know absolutely should continue ladies no questions for the guys no thoughts nothing they want to. They want to know if a real man still does the dishes. Absolutely, all the time, <laughs> every day. Just a comment. Just a comment. I mean, I think this spiritual warfare is just as much, of course, a woman's battle as it is a man's for so many, so many reasons. But it's. Um, I wouldn't want women listening to this think. This is a guy thing because it's really not. Totally. It's a, um, there's, yeah, it's a believer thing. Um, and I think women have a strength and a power and a discernment that is very, um, 
maybe not as visible as what men carry and do, but is that kind of, um, it's, it's, it's incredibly powerful. So just, I just wanted to make a comment on that. And even culturally, so many women are, I mean, they're raising kids alone, right? Fatherlessness is now what? 65% across the board. Almost. If you just aggregate everything. So yeah, that's strength. I mean, whether or not you want to call it a quiet strength, or it's, it's, it's absolute power. It's just, and you know, I think the hope for all of us, even the men in this room, is that that power is focused on that book and the risen king. At that point, single moms are just as capable as raising giants in the faith, and they've been doing it. I just wanted to make a comment for people listening, women listening, so that it doesn't seem like this is a man's battle. There's a lot that women do, um, both behind the scenes and, and to prepare to prepare the field and be part of the battle, too. Um, that is absolutely indispensable and very powerful. Here's a question for John and Pastor. Can, can you guys do what you do and roll the way that you do with the Holy Spirit without being vulnerable to God? Absolutely not. You have to let Jesus wash your feet. In order to receive, you have to embrace the servant, but you also have to be served in that respect. There's a lot of tough guys out there that are like, I don't need Jesus to wash my feet. What's that about? That's weird. I mean, if you guys can touch on that, especially from an aspect of deliverance ministry, right? Where you are exercising your faith and the anointing that God's put inside you to draw out the enemy that's got a stronghold within people. How important is that vulnerability? Maintaining it, not just having it originally like a one and done, but even maintaining it with God. I mean, for me, uh, my, my my walk with God is based is based on me, my my weakness. You know, my weakness is my walk with God. I can't do stuff in my own strength. I can't trust myself. I can't. I I don't know what you know. I can't see the devil from around the block. You know, only God can. I I, I I'm I am totally dependent on God. And my when the days that I'm strong, the days that I'm weak, the days that I don't feel like a Christian, the days I do, it it it, it just a, a, a to me it's just basically. I, I surrender all to have it all in him. Understand? In, in my weak moments, in my crying moments, in my blind moments, in my bankruptcy moments, you know, because, you know, I had a Ponzi scheme done to me, eating Chinese for three years, eating pizza for three years, and still, you know, broke, broke, no money, no nothing, uh, short sale in the house, having nothing, uh, still getting on the bus of New York City to go preach somewhere, getting on the train, coming home at 1 in the morning, all wet, soaking wet, with a box of books, uh, dragging it up to uh, a Broadway. Uh, in, in my moments that I, uh, other people would have quit. Other people said, this ain't worth it. This, this, why would I have to do this? Why do I have to live this way? You know, I can go get me a job. You know, doing cheesecake duty and then going preaching to 8,000 people in three days. And then on Monday, I'm on cheesecake duty with Rain Man. In the car. I don't know he's talking about Lotto. <laughs> so for what you do, the world, I don't feel, can understand. How do you exist in a posture on your knees in humility and on your feet in boldness at the same time? It's, con it's contrarian to how the world operates. You can be one or the other, but you can't be both. But the Christian is both. You know why? I always say this. Let God balance you and let him bring alignment into your life. 
Don't trust your own balance. Don't trust. It's like the people that walk around and say, well, I'm a good person, right? But then how I know that you did, how much do you know on the scales of heaven, how much good you did, how much evil you did, how much that's going to secure your spot in heaven, right? I can't trust in myself. I have to trust in God. In the good times and the tough times, I have to know that he's with me. Who could be against me? If he's blessed me, who can curse me? If he's walking with me, that means I'll finish the race. Amen. So this morning... You went person by person. I got a text message that gave me like a play-by-play, the whole thing. Actually, it was my son that sent me the text. It said, Thornton was at it. <laughs> for you, in your life, in your walk, the fruit of your ministry is evident. I really commend you for that. Not that my opinion matters. I'm just saying, you know, I want people to understand that there's so much power available in that vulnerability. Letting Jesus wash your feet and serving, you know, taking, you know, taking that cause and that mission afterwards and then serving. So... You set the stage by talking about Jesus washing our feet as a place of vulnerability. And uh, it's uncomfortable. Um, Even as Peter said, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, Mm -hmm. right, you'll have no part with me. And of course, and then Peter jumps head in and says, then my head, my body, everything. And Jesus says, of course, that you only need that your feet be washed. And so, so what happens here is in our vulnerability, one of the things that um, we become aware of is our humanity, right, is never an excuse for failure. Too much of the world says, well, I'm only human. But our humanity is the only thing that God needs, right? That's what God designed us to be. And so when the original prophecy, Genesis chapter 3, he, Satan, will bruise your heel, but you, the seed of the woman, the seed of Christ, will bruise his head. And so the washing of the feet is representative of the fact that you're going to walk through some stuff and you're going to get some on your feet right you're going to step in some stuff and you're going to go through some stuff and that happens but god's not afraid god's not concerned that you step in a pile of crap just wash it off the world is filled with it right um when i first got born again uh dr bill hammond some some people may may or may not know him but prophet uh, began to uh, called me out. I was only a few weeks old in the Lord, and uh, and I was at a conference, and he pulled me out, and he he said these words to me, and they stuck with me. Um, this 35 years ago now, but he said, he said, you do not have to treat God like he's some little glass figurine, like some kind of idol that's on a shelf. You cannot knock him off his throne. You cannot break God. Therefore, do not fear offending or fear hurting God when you're trying to do what he's called you to do. Just go for it with all you've got. Well, that gave me confidence. That gave me confidence that, hey, if I fail, it doesn't mean God failed. And God won't fail me. And so I can't break God. And so, again, foundational truths or principles but it spoke to me as a man that you know what i'm gonna step in some stuff i do it all the time i'm guilty all the time of stepping in saying stuff i shouldn't say doing stuff i shouldn't do but it does not def- and, and i'm not talking about sin i'm talking about 
stepping into circumstances or situations that get messy, right? I mean, because story after story, and I don't, we don't have time to get into all of it, but, but the ministry is messy. Life is messy. There's nobody that's listening to us. There's nobody in this room whose life has not been messy. There's not anybody in here that hadn't had stuff that happened that you had to clean up or you went through and you wish you never did, but you walked through it. And that's, this is where uh, Tommy Barnett, some of you know him as Pastor Phoenix First, um, used to say these words, again, words that stuck with me uh, because he ministered these words to me when I had just come through a very vulnerable, you talking about vulnerable, I'd gone through what I I define as my own personal Gethsemane. I went through a time of crushing as an individual in my soul where I said, God, I love you, but if this is the ministry, you can have it. I don't want anything to do with it. I, don't want to do it. I, I, I love what I do if it weren't for the people. Well, who am I preaching to if I'm not preaching to the people, right? <clears throat> but Tommy said these words to me, and they stuck with me. I've lived by them, and I preach it and speak it all the time. And for everybody listening, your past has no future. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It only matters where you're going. And so if you stepped in some stuff, let him wash your feet. Jesus is good at it. And so as a man, don't be afraid to let him wash your feet. He's not offended because your feet stink. He's not offended because you got uh, uh, an ingrown toenail or you stepped on uh, a nail and got some. You're following the picture. When Jesus wants to, so the vulnerability thing is, is let God continue to work in you as a man. It's the only way to grow and develop. If you think you're there, then you've stunted your own growth. Amen. You're like Steve. You drank too much coffee as a kid. Stunts my growth. Got to <laughs> stay away from that stuff. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. I appreciate your time. Any uh, closing thoughts? Graham made a great point earlier about praying for here, people here in the audience that would be listening in the future. Yeah. So we end with that. It would be great. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You want to go first? Or? Well, first of all, thank you, Steve and, and Jason, Graham, and, thank and, you. and uh, this, is, this, is, this is all God and this is all the group. All Charlie. Yes, amen. Charlie, thank you, sir. I mean, th th honestly, trace everything back to this guy right here. That's, so let's put it back on Charlie. I'll change the order then. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I just wanna I just wanna say, you know, I mean if anyone's been listening, uh this opportunity is a divine appointment. Amen. God works in divine appointments. So whatever you've gone through in your life, whether whether it's generational, whether it's family situation, whether it's, it's a marriage in your childhood, maybe something with your children, maybe you got a children that is arrested, maybe you got a children that is in, doing, in jail and doing time, maybe it's an oppression situation, a depression situation, it could be a trauma spirit, someone raped you, someone molested you. Someone did some damage in your life that you're beyond repair. Uh, maybe, maybe you go into a situation, a pastor hurt you, a leader hurt you, an evangelist hurt you, and you got nowhere to turn. This one person you could turn to tonight, this one person that can repair the broken pieces, this one person that can take your mess and make a masterpiece. And I just want to invite people, you know, and also invite people, have the opportunity, you know, if you try all the questions, marks in the world, then why not try Jesus, man? I, I say, you know what, give Jesus 30, 30 days. 
Give him a try for 30 days, see what happens in your life. And I just want to extend an invitation for people out there that are listening, you know, that you, if you're in a place of darkness, if you're in a place of the occult, if you're in a place that you made some bad decisions, and man, God can God can take and rewrite your story. God can do something wonderful. All you have to say is, Lord, if you're real. How many times people we sat here? How many times we people here today, we sat here. We are miracle. We are the miracle. God is a miracle working God. There's people that are sitting here today that they say, Lord, they was in the lowest of the lowest point in their lives. And they say, God, if you are real, show me. That you are real. It doesn't mean you know you, you might have grew up in a home you, like I grew up in a broken home. Demons walking around like there were human beings in my apartment. My father was crazy. There was a fruitcake. He had more channels than cable. I mean, you know, I grew up in a home that it was just. I'm talking about you know, the worst of the worst, the worst neighbor, the worst home. Going to school, getting uh, in the morning, getting breakfast. There was no breakfast in my house, but you know, God didn't leave me there. It didn't define you. It didn't define me. It just, it just, I walked into a place. I walked into the holies of holies. And you can ask the Lord. It's not religion. It's not a church thing. Uh, it, and it comes to that later. It is about you saying, Lord, I surrender. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. You know, and sin is you missed the mark. You know, you missed the mark with Jesus. You know, and Jesus say, you know, I, I am the truth, the way, and the life. I can come into your life. I can come into the place that you are. You can, I can come into the place of death. I, you know, you could be, you could, your life could be buried like Lazarus for four days, 40 years, and Jesus could stand right outside the tomb and call you by your name and repair this and, and reconstruct your life like never before. And if wherever you're going through, without him, we got nothing. Without him, there's no substance. Without him and surrendering to him. I mean, I'm talking, you're talking about a person that was an ex-devil worshiper. And I finished with this, that I, it's not where I started. It's where I want to finish. So whatever years I got left in my life, whatever years I got left, if I got 30 years left, 40 years left, 20 years left, or 20 minutes left, I lived the best life because I led Jesus Christ into my life. And he changed me around, and he gave me, in my life, things that I couldn't do for myself. He did it for me, because he knows how to, he, he, see, you know, he, God is the master architect. He can, he, can, he can reconstruct your house and make it new again. So I just want to pray for people in that condition, in that situation. Even, even, even people that are suicidal. I tell, I, I, I tell people, you know, just because one egg breaks, you don't throw the other 11 away. Give Jesus this chance. I promise you, it'll be the best decision in your entire, entire life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just pray for brothers and sisters out there, Lord. I pray for anyone out there, Lord, in the sound of my voice. Father God, Lord, that you knock on the door of their hearts and visit them today. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we push back the devil. We break every anxiety, every demonic roadblock. We break every oppression, depression. We break every demonic tormenting devils off them in the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, we break hindering delay, blockages, distractions in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray. Lord, that you pierce through the darkness and touch the heart of the people that are listening today. They, they are so fragmented, Lord, that they can't even cry out, Father God, because there's nothing left in them to cry out. Father, I pray that you go to that place, Father God, and touch them, Father God. There's a song that says, He touched me and made all things. Lord, you're the God that made all things new. All things pass away, and you can make all things new. And I pray for the people out there that are listening today that they will surrender all to have it all in you, Father God. So I pray right now for this opportunity that you reach them right now, right where they're at. 
Father God, because Lord, you know where they're at. You know the address. You know where they live. You know where they're at. You know the condition. You know the situation. You know the circumstance. Lord, touch them now. In the mighty name of Jesus Amen. Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, I lift up Pastor Thornton, John Ramirez. Lift up the ministry. Lift up the work of their hands, their hearts, yes, Lord, their words. Hallelujah. Father, I pray down just a magnitude of anointing yes, for the season to come. To not just deliver people, but to raise others, to be a force multiplier, to raise godly men, to be leaders of households, to, to change the course of fatherlessness, to allow people to shed the burdens and the weights and leave it at Christ's feet, and to usher into the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives that changes everything. The course of countries, the course of people's lives, everything at scale. Father, bless them. Thank you for reaching out through them, and thank you for the time with us tonight. We love you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. No one had a bathroom break either. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, everybody. That officially wraps up episode three of three, the John Ramirez Roundtable podcast. Listen, this might seem strange to you. Demonization it might seem weird, esoteric, biblical sci-fi. That doesn't matter. If you follow Christ, what did he say? You will know my followers. They will pray in other tongues. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Maybe not in that order, but it's all there. God's calling us forward. This is the most target-rich environment in all of human history for evangelism, for deliverance, for biblical sci-fi, exploits, the book of Acts on steroids. I hope to God that you're pressing in. I hope to God that you're building your faith, that you're reading your Bible, that you're going to church. Even if you don't like what you're hearing from the pulpit, because God's saying something else, he needs your spirit in that place. For more information, visit us online, www.forth.watch. In case you find us on YouTube, all the usual business, please like, subscribe, and forward. And if you feel led to give, we are a 501c3 and can issue tax receipts, but we don't do it for that. We do it for the work. Just sometimes we, uh, we don't always have time to get to it. You know, it's a thing. That's it. I hope that you're blessed, edified. hope that you're pressing in. hope you know that all these things and more will do in Jesus' name. God bless and Godspeed.